invite you uh, as we read from Scripture to remain standing and just take a moment and take a few breaths in and out. Lord, as we hear from the Scripture, may you open our hearts and our minds and Lord, we ask even our imaginations how you can form and shape us through your word. Amen. Our first passage this morning comes from Jeremiah 23, beginning at verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In this day, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely, and this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them. Then they shall dwell in their own land. And from Luke chapter 4. And he came to Nazareth, that being Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read, and the scrolls of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And in the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today... This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Happy New Year. As some of you know, today is Advent, the first day of Advent, and Advent uh, is the start of the church calendar. It is the new year for the church. While the rest of the world is getting ready for the end of the year, we are starting fresh and anew. Um... Pastor Danner corrected my history, which I kind of knew last year. Advent, it's a fairly new practice in the church here, but um, probably around the time of the Reformation, no one's very sure when it started. But I say that because this time of the year, we just start saying Merry Christmas. It's like, hold on, Christmas isn't here yet. Like, I put my lights up like two weeks ago. The tree's been up for weeks. It's fine. But it's not Christmas yet. The season of Advent is the four weeks leading up, preparing for Christmas Day. This season for my family, I have a three-year-old boy, and it's a a lot of fun now. Like, it's starting to get where he knows what's going on. Uh, My wife is quite the crafter, so we go to Hobby Lobby, the Christmas store, like every day of the week, and I say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yesterday we were there, and he's like, can we go again tomorrow? I'm like, no, because they are closed. Praise be to the Lord, right? And, uh, but everything is Christmas for him right now. And uh, the, we're watching the movies that my wife and I grew up watching, and we see it through a new lens. And the Jingle Bell Rock is on nonstop in my house all the time. And I love it because he loves it. But, oh, my Lord, have mercy. We got, like what, 20-something more days of that song? And uh, um, all of this is really good, and, and it's, 
it's found, I found myself trying to remember what it was like to be a young child with the anticipation of, of Christmas morning coming, uh, of the presents under the tree and seeing cousins and aunts and uncles and all of that, find myself remembering what that looks like. As, as humans, we really like to remember, especially this time of the year, how many of you over the Thanksgiving holiday or maybe in the weeks to come, you're with friends or family, and you have like that weird uncle who tells the same story over and over every single year. You're like, I don't have an uncle. You're probably that uncle then. And just and you all sit there politely and just go, ah, like you've never heard this story before. That happened at my family this uh, past Thanksgiving, but it was my dad just telling the same stories over and over. And uh, uh, and I can't wait till I get to do that to my son. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but but then uh, I, don't, I have an iPhone, uh, so I, other phones might do this. But every day I look up, I get excited because it shows me pictures from the year past. And, and I remember where I was at that time. And most of them are just pictures of my, my kid and my wife. So I'm like, oh, I remember when we did that. Or I don't remember when that happened. I blacked out for like the first six months of his life. I don't remember any of it. Um, and and it, it's just a chance to remember the good times from the past. When we were home for Thanksgiving, uh, my dad and I were going to take Soren to the park. We got on the car and he fell asleep, which is a miracle in itself. So we drove around our old neighborhood for an hour by our old houses, by... Um, uh, my friends' old houses, the, the schools I went to. We went by Tony T's Pizza on Thousand Oaks Boulevard that I used to work at in high school. And, and it was a lot of fun having all these memories uh, come back to remember what it was like growing up there. Then we took Soren to a park that I grew up going to all the time as a kid and, and just tons of fond memories. But for some of us, remembering the past is sometimes painful. Probably for all of us, we have memories that we'd rather not bring to mind. There's a singer, Sufjan Stevens, and he has a song where he sings, I should have known better. Nothing can be changed. The past is still the past, the bridge to nowhere. Merry Christmas. <laughs> but for some of us, we feel that way. And perhaps there are certain things in our life that are better left in the past that we don't want to revisit. But in this Advent season... We are focusing this morning on remembering, not just remembering Christ's first coming, because really Advent is it's a time of anticipation, of preparation for Christ's second coming, when Christ will return and make all things new, or he will usher his kingdom in in the full. And the way we, we prepare ourselves is to remember his first coming. But this morning, we need to step even further back into history. We need to step back into the time of B.C. to, to see what the saints of old, what, what their preparation for the coming Messiah looked like. Because living as Christians in 2023 A.D., it's easy to forget to place ourselves in their shoes. Poem Malcolm Gwight, he says, Advent is always B.C. The whole purpose of Advent is to be for a moment fully and consciously before Christ. That's what we're doing this morning. See, remembering is a, is a deep practice in the Scripture, is that Yahweh continually uh, uh, commanded His people to remember what He had done for them in the past. 
That when, when they uh, were redeemed from Israel, he instituted Passover, a feast day, to remind them that he was the God who redeemed them from Israel. When they crossed over the Jordan, uh, they were to erect uh, piles of stones so they could remember what God had done and pass it on to f- future generations. He, he told them to remember the scriptures, to meditate on them, to mumble them under, under their breath day and night, to remember who God was in their life. But remembering for for the Hebrew had a much deeper meaning than it does for most of us. Biblical scholar says, in the Jewish world, remembrance was not a purely mental activity. It was not simply about nostalgia for the past, but about asking God to remember his people and complete his saving purpose today. To remember meant to bring all the power from the past event into the present. That is what biblical remembering looks like. Our first reading this morning came from the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was often called the weeping prophet because God had given him a call to preach a message of repentance and and, and coming judgment to the nation of Judah, knowing that it was going to fall on deaf ears continually coming to them saying repent turn god's judgment is coming and god's judgment was coming not because god's some old angry man in the sky looking to just torture uh, us mere humans but because israel had entered into a covenant relationship with yahweh the one true god and they were not keeping up their end of the covenant they were living life apart from the way that god had designed them to live And because of that, the consequence was going to come as judgment by the hand of Babylon, where they would be exiled from their land. In chapter 21, Jeremiah begins to take on the kings of the day. He begins to confront them. He confronts the false prophets and and what he calls the wicked shepherds of Israel, and he starts calling them out. And things are not going well. But in the midst of this message of judgment and exile, there's a sliver of hope. Let me read it for us again. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called the Lord is our righteousness. And therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought us up, uh, the people of Israel, out of the land of Egypt. He's calling them to remember what he had done generations before. But he says, but, but look forward. As the Lord lives, who brought up and led the offspring out of the house of Israel, out of the north country and out of the countries where he had driven them, then they shall dwell in their own land. He's using the story from the past, calling them to remember, to give them hope for the future. Because the people first hearing this message, I imagine it brought them some hope. That, that impending judgment was coming, but, but there's a chance Yahweh hasn't forgotten us. But I can't help but to think that, that as the years went on, as they went into exile, it was made very clear to that generation that they were never going home. They were going to die in a foreign land. And the words that brought them hope in their youth 
as they're sitting on their deathbed are now causing their hearts to question, to doubt, to grow bitter towards Yahweh. And that's why God calls us to be a people who remembers. We have short memories. Imagine the ones that were able to hold on to the hope that were able to pass the story down by the act of remembering, of remembering what Yahweh had done for them in the past to sustain them in the future or in the present and to give them a hope for the future. They didn't know how or when this Messiah would come, but he was, and they trusted in faith. Now we fast forward to, to Luke Luke's account of Jesus. In Luke 3, he writes, Jesus, when he had began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli. And then he goes on for several verses, listing names that I am not going to attempt to read publicly at all. I say every service, and Jim just goes, he's probably the only person here that could say those names correctly, right? Thank you, Jim, for that. Um, But... But we, if we're honest, like you get to that part of the scripture, any genealogy, and you're just like, okay, now we're to the meat, right? We skip over them because, because we're so far removed from these names, from the stories associated with the names, from the faith associated with those names that, that, that we just kind of gloss over it. But for the first hearers, the first readers, those names in this genealogy would have helped them remember God's faithfulness in the past. It would be tying this coming Messiah to their people in their present day. And after the genealogy, the Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness And Jesus is tempted by the devil, and and he reenacts Israel, where Israel had been unfaithful in the wilderness. Jesus is now faithful. He is the good, the true, the better Israel. And then we come to our reading for this morning, and, and he, that being Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And just imagine that he's in his hometown. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll, the prophet Isaiah, was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is from Isaiah. A book filled with prophecies that would have been passed down from generation to generation in encouraging the people of Israel. God has not forsaken us. God will return. His Messiah will come and set us free. As 80 Christians, we have the the privilege, the honor from the work of scholars and church history to see all throughout the Old Testament these beautiful prophecies all pointing to the coming Messiah. And we can read them and go, yeah, that's Jesus, the, the righteous branch of Jesse. 
David, he kind of gets lost on us. But Jesus sits, stands there in the temple or in the synagogue and says, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I can't help but imagine that maybe there was an old man been faithfully following Yahweh his whole life, and he's sitting in the back of the synagogue, faithfully praying as Jesus reads this prophecy. And as he he hears this prophecy, images come of other prophecies, of other promises that his father had passed on to him, who had been passed on from his father. And, And he starts to think how he had shared those prophecies with his children when they were little, and now they're passing them on to his grandchildren. And Lord willing, will pass on for generations to come as he sits there and he's praying and saying, yes, Lord, send this Messiah. He sees this rabbi standing there saying, today... This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. As he hears that, tears start to stream down his face. Could this be the one? The one our people have been waiting for for generations. The stories we've been remembering for generations. Is he finally here? Is he finally here? See, the faith of the people of God rested upon the saints who have gone before them. And those promises of God that he fulfilled at one time, we now wait and hope for him to fulfill in the age to come when Christ will come and make all things new. That's why we're called to remember. As people, we have short memories Israel, when they're wandering through the wilderness, they're whining and they're complaining and saying, it would have been better to be back in Egypt. And they're making Moses just work extra time. And and yet they had forgotten that just before that, their people had been enslaved for 400 years. And they forgot because they stopped remembering what Yahweh had done for them. I don't know if we're much different. The world around us isn't much different. There's still darkness all around. Things seem so fragile right now. Wars still rage. Abuse of power is still happening all over the place. Loved ones get sick, and you know what? Loved ones still die. And we can read these prophecies and then easily feel like, God, where are you? Where are you? That's why we're called to remember, to sustain our faith, what God had done in the past. And, and, and the saints of old remembered, they, they believed, they, they had faith that Yahweh was going to move, that Yahweh was going to do something. And you and I, we've been baptized into that faith and the Holy Spirit uses these promises, this, this discipline of remembering to sustain us in the in-between. So for this Advent season, I have two invitations for us. And they're on the individual and the corporate level. The first is this, to pray this. God, remember us. God, remember us. Not because God has forsaken us, but 
to remember means to bring the power from the past event into the present reality here and now. When we ask God to remember us, to remember his promises, to remember his people, we're actually joining in an ancient discipline, especially found in the Psalms. How many of you, when you read the Psalms, if you're honest, you read them and go like, that sounds kind of irreverent. Like, I'm not comfortable praying that. It's because they are. I've heard people say, like, the Psalms are really bad theology. In the sense that, that these uh, prayers that the church has been praying for generations, they're people's real felt experiences in the middle of trauma and turmoil and disappointment. This week, Psalm 44, I've been meditating. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our souls bow down to the dust, our belly clings to the ground. Rise up, come to our help, redeem us. For the sake of your steadfast love, God, remember your people. I invite us as a congregation, as individuals, to pray these kind of prayers this Advent season. As you turn on the news or, or even just interact with any other human being trying to live right now, ask God to remember us in the midst of, of loved ones dying of cancer, in the midst of divorce, in the midst of prodigal children. God, remember us. Remember your promises. My, my second invitation is that we remember God. That we remember his promises, that we remember his faithfulness, that we tell of his stories, not just from the scriptures, but in our own lives. Here's my challenge to you. Comb the scriptures this week for God's promises to his people. You're like, I don't know how to do that. Google. <laughs> Google God's promises in the Bible. And some of you might be like, but it might be out of context. It's okay. I'd rather you be in the scripture than not. And write those out on a card or print them off and, and put them in places you will see this week on your mirror at home, in, the, in your bathroom, on your coffee maker in the morning, in the fridge for that late night snack, wherever you're going to see uh, those things throughout the day on the background of your phone and meditate on them. Remember them. Let them form you and, sh and shape you because I have a feeling that if you remember God's promises, it's going to start to change how you ask God to remember us because you'll start praying his prayers for his people. You'll start praying his prayers for yourself and for your family. So this Advent season, enjoy the hot cocoa and the Christmas carols and the trees and the lights and the gifts and the Hallmark movies. Like, live it up. Because we are people of hope. We know how the story ends. But take time this season to carve out space to sit in the in-between, to sit in the brokenness, to ask God, to beg God, to please God, to remember us. As we do that, we remember his faithfulness throughout history. So Christ is coming, so we remember. Amen.